God often reveals his truth to us, whether it is about himself, us, or the relationships therein through the natural world. This is revealed to us by Paul in Romans 1, 19-20, which says, For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. This is also true for man-made things such as film, and I would like to show how he does just that in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Welcome to episode 20 of Oh How Marvelous, and today we will be talking about Ant-Man and the Wasp. Now I get it, you may be wondering, why is he covering Ant-Man and the Wasp now? He hasn't even gotten to Infinity War yet. Well, let me remind you that we are going through these movies, as of now, in chronological order and not in release order. Um, let's not forget that I... My first episode was Captain America the First Avenger and not Iron Man. So, the reason I put this before Infinity War is because I believe that the main events of this film take place before the events of Infinity War. Uh, something to support my theory here is um, I think it would have taken a significant amount of time for them to... Um, get the parts and such to be able to build the van tunnel um, for the quantum realm uh, that we see in the credit scene here um, at Thanos' snap. And so I think that you would have had the main events of Ant-Man and the Wasp here, and then you would have had the events of Infinity War, and then when Thanos snaps is when they do their quantum realm little mission thing. Um, so it would have taken a significant amount of time because it definitely did take, I said, two years in Ant-Man the Wasp for Hank and Hope to um, collect all the parts from Sonny Birch um, just to get their main tunnel working. And so, um, yeah, I think that the main events of this movie take place before Infinity War, which is why I covered this movie before Infinity War. Um, I think it just personally makes sense especially if you're doing it in chronological order. Um, but that being said, Infinity War is the next movie to cover. I cannot wait. That will be so much fun. Um, let me remind you um, that it is not too late to put in your um, entry into the drawing for the Avengers playing cards. Um, how you will do that is you'll just send me an email or... Um, a message um, in one of the social media pages um, with a, a written rec message or a video explaining your favorite moment from either the MCU, from scripture, or from the podcast itself. Um, give a combination of those if you want. That'd be awesome. 
So far, we only have one entry in, so your chances of winning this thing are pretty good right now. Um, the Endgame episode, I'm hoping it will be able to come out next Friday-ish. Um, and so that is when I will do the drawing there. Um, I can't wait to see who wins it. That'd be awesome. Um, so uh, let me just, just give a shout-out to Tice, my friend, who is the person who put in the first entry and only so far for this thing. Um, it's great to hear from you, my man. Uh, he is a friend from my um, semi-seminary days. Um, and so, um, yeah, please put your entry in. I would love to hear from you as well. That'd be awesome. And I will remind you again at the end of the episode to do so. That way um, you don't forget in the midst of listening to all I have to say here in this episode. And that way you can hear it again at the end of the episode and be reminded then. So now, without further ado, let's get into the film. Um, this came out summer of 2018. So it came out after Infinity War. But before Endgame, so it helped just kind of lead up into the anticipation of that film. Um, I went to go see it by myself, I remember. And I think I still had um, that dumb thing called Movie Pass. Now, I call it dumb because the whole time I knew it was a horrible business plan. But I was going to take advantage of it while I had it, right? And so, I mean, take advantage of someone's stupidity if you can. Just kidding, don't do that. Um, but... Seriously, like, I knew it was a bad business plan to begin with because how could you pay for all that and people's tickets to the movies with just, like, $5 a month or whatever it was? And um, I knew it was going to fail eventually. And I think it's coming back somehow. How? I have no idea if it is true. Um, but, um, yeah, I used that to go see it in theaters by myself. I think at the time... Um, that I was able to finally get around to go see it in theaters. I was busy at the time that it was coming out anyway. But um, I think by that time, the crowds have died down in the theater with that movie. And so I think it, I was by myself in the theater. If not, there was someone else like across the room um, watching it with me. But uh, I really enjoyed the film, though. It was really good. I loved it. I thought it was better than the first Ant-Man. Um, really enhanced. Um, you have those two villains and then the two heroes with you. Um, and so I, I love the plot. Um, we got more Louise's moments. Um, and we got, um, of course, Dave and um, Kurt. And uh, they really shined in this movie too. Um, they didn't really have many moments in the first movie, but they had certainly more moments in this one. And I like to see more of them um, in Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. That I cannot wait for. Um, also, have y'all seen the trailer for Quantumania? It is crazy. Like, the official trailer came out during the National Championship game. They only showed a limited version of it during the, the game at, like, the third quarter, which was, frankly, way too late to show it because that game was boring. But anyways... Um, Yes, I absolutely cannot wait for Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Um, it's going to be as pivotal as Civil War was. Um, and we all know how great that movie was. Like, we cannot stop bragging about it, right? Those of us Marvel nerds. And so, um, 
I, yeah, I can't wait for it. But let's get to the movie here. Um, let's start off with my gripes, because there's only very few, and we might as well just get them over with. So, um, my only gripe that I have with this that's worth note is that the villains were kind of weak. Like, I get that Ghost was great with fighting and all that, and um, she was sort of kind of messing with their heads, but I I like Sunny Birch too, but, like, they were weak. They were, like, low-level villains. Um, and I feel like Darren Cross was a better match for them than um, Ghost or Sunny Birch. But anyways... Um, and that's why we're going to get Kang. And that's why Kang is going to hit so hard in Quantum Mania. Because he is like five levels up from what they're used to facing. Right? Um, well, on their own anyway. I mean, they have the Avengers with them when they fight Thanos in an endgame. But they're going to be by themselves in Quantum Mania. And that's why it's going to be such a huge leap um, for testing all of their skills and abilities and minds in Quantum Mania. So... Um, yeah, that's my only gripe there is that the villains are kind of weak, um, but I do like the challenge that it brings to the team of, um, Hank, Hope, and Scott, um, and so, now that that's out of the way, I have a whole bunch of likes, um, let's get to my favorite character first, I got an honorable mention, always Louise, Louise is always the best, how could you not mention him, uh, he is even better in this movie, honestly. Um, also, you got Kurt and Dave, and I love Dave's lines. Like you put the whole, you put the coin in, you gotta let the whole song play out, something like that. And um, I love the whole truth serum bit too with that. Um, I'll get into that later. But I also gotta mention Hope and Agent Wu. Oh my goodness, Agent Wu is so fun. I love him. Uh, this is the first mention of a youth pastor in the MCU. The second one being in No Way Home. Um, but I love that Agent Wu has just like this general optimistic spirit about him. And even when things don't go his way, he's like slightly frustrated, but he deals with it. Um, plus, he's hilarious. Um, I love Bill Foster. Um, I can appreciate his... Um, conflict that he has with Ava uh, he really does want to help her because he knows all that she went through um, but she is just so full of rage and anger and her pain feeds that and we'll get into that later but I love Bill Foster because he handles that with as much grace as he can possibly muster um, I mentioned Louise Hope Agent Wu yeah they're all great characters fantastic but obviously my favorite character here was scott because he's being a great dad to cassie um he's being a great friend to hope and hank like he wants to reconcile that relationship um and at first hank and hope aren't really having it but like through the experience that they go through together in this movie um they do end up reconciling in their own way with him and uh, Scott is just a great guy overall, and he just wants to do right by the world, you know? Um, he's obviously through going through this process of trying to rec reconcile um, his past sins with himself and uh, with those that those sins have affected. 
Um, and speaking of that, I love his family dynamic with his ex-wife and Cassie and um, her new husband, um, the ex-wife's new husband, not Cassie's. But I love that dynamic there. I love that even Paxton is coming to love Scott and like he's giving him hugs and all that. Like it's a great family dynamic. It's as healthy as you can probably possibly get with um, that kind of family dynamic going on. And it's great. I, I love how, how Scott has allowed that to happen and he's compromised with his ex-wife and Paxton and um in a way that doesn't hurt cassie um and cassie still looks up to all of them as um her parent figures um and i love that so yeah i I just love scott in general he's awesome plus it's paul rudd like you can't not love paul rudd unless something crazy comes out about him that turns out to be true um but you gotta love the guy um, but even if something crazy to come out about Paul Rudd, we're still called to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. So think about that one. My favorite scene, um, a couple honorable mentions here. Um, I love the school heist scene where um, he's using the old suit that he had in, I guess, Civil War and the Ant-Man movie. Um, and things are... No, no, he's not using the old suit. He actually is trying to get the old suit with the new suit that Hank Pym made and something's going wrong with the regulator. And so, um, yeah, he ends up um, kind of becoming toddler child child size. And so I love the bit where, especially at the end, um, they get back in the van and, and Hank's like, would you like some string cheese? And... Uh, Scott's like, you really have that? <laughs> a juice box and string cheese. That's what it was. I love that. Uh, great moment. Um, I love the dynamic there. Um, and the next favorite scene that I have is uh, when Janet kind of takes over Scott's body. Um, and we'll theologically get into that one later. But I just love Paul Rudd does the part so well. Like, he plays... Michelle Pfeiffer playing Janet Van Dyne well. And I love it. It's fantastic. And I love how at the end of that scene, he is like, how on earth did we get here? (laughs) How did we end up over here from over there? Um, And I love it. Um, It's a great scene. And like, Paul Rudd is fantastic with his acting there. Cannot um, emphasize that enough. Um, The next scene that I want to talk about before getting my favorite scene is when they get in the car chase um and like it's ava and sunny birch um goes to ava um and sunny birch and them just like fighting over getting the lab um towards the end of the movie and i love it you you see scott use the truck as a skateboard kind of thing or scooter whatever um and uh you also get to see uh, Louise kind of get into some of the stuff too, where he um, he's like, "I lost the van," and uh, Scott's like, "Use the rally case, the Hot Wheels rally case," and uh, he's like, "I love you, Hank Pym. <laughs> I 
I love you, Mr. Pim, or Dr. Pim. That's what it is. I love you, Dr. Pim. I, I love that scene. Louis is fantastic. Um, great scenes, but my favorite scene overall, and this also has theological implications and biblical implications, whatever, is um, when Janet um, realizes Ava's pain, and she just touches her fingertips to her f- temples, I guess. And, like, you see her hand, fingers glowing, and Ava, you see the pain in Ava's eyes slowly just fall away. And I love that. And um, I, I do love the fact that also surrounding that, that um, Hank and Bill can come to a sort of compromise of when Hank is getting ready to go to the quantum realm to retrieve Janet, um, he tells Bill, look, I get it. I will help you find a cure when we get back. I promise. And like they really do want to help each other. Um, even though there's some dissension between them in their past. Um, and so I love um, just the grace and the peace within the moment there as Janet is sort of, in a way, healing Ava from whatever quantum disease it is that they, um, that she has. And so, uh, it kind of reminds me of the moment where Scott's like, do y'all just put the word quantum in front of everything? And so, yeah, I love those moments though. Now let's talk about my favorite quote here, but first I will mention my honorable favorites. Um, up first we have, um, after, Louise is um, given the truth serum, and um, he's interviewed and all that. After that, he calls Scott B to warn him of Sonny Birch and the FBI coming. And he complains about how Scott loads the dishwasher, and he's like, Who puts the plates on the top right? They don't go there! <laughs> I love it! Um, I love that Louise knows how to actually load a dishwasher, for one. And <laughs> I love that he's kind of nitpicky there, too. Um but his personality just really shines through in that moment. Um, I also mentioned the moment where he says, I love you, Dr. Pim. Um, again, Louise just really shines in this movie. Um, but I really love the moment um, when they finally take down Sonny Birch and his crew. They're tied up to the car, and the police come and try to at first arrest Kurt and Dave. And then they're like, no, we caught them for you. And then it goes over to Sonny Birch, and he's like, I've committed, I have. Um, I uh, He like mentions all the crimes he's done, and he says, I've even um, committed numerous health code violations at my restaurant. Some of them would shock you. But the, the line that I like is when Usman uh, continues to spill out the truth, and he's like, it is truth serum. Uh <laughs> Uh, I love Usman's uh, realization there. Usman's a pretty cool character, too. I like him. Um, But, yeah, it is truth serum. But my favorite quote um, comes from after Hank Hope and Scott go to Bill Foster, and then they realize Wu is coming after them, so they are leaving. And so... Or maybe it's before then. I don't know. But... um, I think it's before then. Anyways, um, they're going to Bill Foster's office, and they're in what Hank thinks to be a disguise, and 
Um, they're just basically in a baseball cap and sunglasses. And um, Scott just kind of just calls him out on it. And he says, What, because of hats and sunglasses? It's not a disguise, Hank. We look like ourselves at a baseball game. And this is just one of those few moments where Scott just kind of calls Marvel out on their stuff, right? Um, like earlier I mentioned where he says, do y'all just put the word quantum in front of everything? Uh, it's just that kind of thing, you know? And I love um, Scott Lang for that. And yeah, it's hilarious. So um, I think that does it for my favorite stuff um, with the scene character and line but um we still have yet to talk about the stanley cameo and i rather enjoyed it actually and um but i did um give it a 5.4 just because of how it fell with the others um so where it's where um they're in the middle of the car chase and um hope accidentally shrinks um Stan Lee's car, he shoots at, she shoots at the motorcycle guy and misses, and then she ends up hitting his car, and he says, well, the 60s were fun, but now I'm paying for it, and I really enjoyed that. It was a good cameo, but I did give it a 5.4 just because of how it fell with the others, um, and so, yeah, um, so some other great things I loved about this film were, um, I loved that the cars can shrink now. What on earth? That is awesome. Um, especially with the rally case. Um, I love the shrinking cars. It's, it's a great added element. And, and the shrinking building as well. Um, that's cool. Also, that makes me wonder, how does the plumbing and electricity work there? Do, I, I mean, I guess they would have a generator. That might work. But how does the plumbing work? Is there like a septic tank somewhere in there? Then like an in inner water supply uh, like there are some questions man that need some answering um next thing is i love that the um ex-cons have come up with ex-con security and it's awesome it's a perfect business for them um who better to know security than ex-cons who have dealt with it um and who can upgrade very well with that too um I love the whole truth serum bit um, from the moment it starts to the moment it ends. It's awesome. Um, I like how they're arguing, how Dave, Kurt, and Louise are all arguing with Usman about it, whether or not it is truth serum. <laughs> I love the moment where uh, Louise is like, oh, it is truth serum. <laughs> and so, and Usman at the end too, and I mentioned that earlier. Um, I love the whole thing with Usman and the truth serum stuff also Baba Yaga I, I love that where <laughs> the first time Baba Yaga's mentioned I love how Kurt's like just like Baba Yaga and you hear like the music in the background and it just fits perfectly and everybody turns around and looks at him like what on earth dude and it's fantastic stuff um, something that I didn't write down, but I do want to mention again, I just love the Ant-Man music. Um, got the low brass hits. Um, we got the percussion going along with that as well. Um, I think it's one of my favorite, like, hero themes within the MCU. Um, it's great. Um, they're all pretty good, but, um, like, Spider-Man, Captain America, even Iron Man's is kind of, but, like, 
Ant-Man has a really good one, and it it hits different than what you would think for a hero with shrinking abilities. So, um, yeah, I just love it. Um, I, I've, ta- I've told y'all in the Ant-Man episode um, about my time being a little brass player, and so, yeah, I'm just going to leave that at that. Um, and so I think that does it for my just general conversation around the movie. So let's get to the devotional. It reads, In Ant-Man and the Wasp, Hank Pym, in a conversation with his daughter Hope, recalls the time that he lost his wife, Janet, on a mission to stop a missile. She had to shrink into the quantum realm in order to do so. This event took place a few decades prior to the conversation. Hank thought that Janet might have died that day, but once Scott Lang returned, he thought it might be possible that Janet is still alive. And if that's possible, then it's possible that they might be able to bring her back from the quantum realm. Hank, Hope, and Scott spend the remainder of the film buying parts and building a quantum tunnel to be able to do just that. Scripture tells us that Jesus will return someday, 1 Thessalonians 4 and 5, and that he will come like a thief in the night. It instructs us that we must be ready for his return, Matthew 24. To be ready, we must simply do as he has instructed us before his ascension into heaven. We must go into all the world, preach the gospel, and make disciples. Matthew 28, 18-20 We must be willing to do this work so that all peoples may know the name of Jesus so that the world may be ready for the return of our King. Hank and Hope were eager to get Janet back from the quantum realm. They were so eager that they were willing to put in every bit of work necessary, no matter the obstacles, because there will be obstacles, in order to achieve their goal. We should have the same attitude when it comes to being ready for the day of the Lord's return. That eagerness should drive us to obey the Great Commission previously referenced. Now, Janet is not Jesus, but we do know that he will return someday, and that only the Father will know when this day will be. Matthew 24:36. Let us get ready. Are you ready for the day of the Lord's return? What can you do to obey the Great Commission in order to be ready for that day? Are you willing to be obedient to the Lord no matter what it takes, no matter the obstacles? Now this is what Matthew twenty-eight eighteen through 20 says, and it is the last words that Jesus said here on earth before his ascension. And this is these are the last three verses of the the book of Matthew, the gospel according to Matthew. It says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I also referenced the entire chapter of Matthew 24, and I even more further specifically reference verse 36 within that chapter. And again, this whole thing, Jesus is talking to his disciples about his second coming um, that is actually kind of laid out in the book of Revelation. Um, And it says, with Jesus speaking here again, it says, However, no one knows the day or hour when these things will happen. Not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself. Only the Father knows. I think it's funny whenever we have these days people like claiming that they know when the Lord's coming again. 
And I'm like, come on, guys. Like, not even God the Son knows. Only the Father knows. No one will be able to predict the day or the hour. So whenever you hear someone, like, saying, the Lord is near or he's coming soon. I mean, yeah, he is coming soon. We don't know how soon it will be. But, like, whenever you hear someone try to predict the date or uh, what's going to happen around that time within the world, um, it is a very dangerous thing to listen to those people because the, Jesus is very clear here in his words to the disciples that he himself doesn't even know when he's going to come back. Only God the Father knows. And it's very dangerous to try to predict that. Um, and that's why I emphasize the importance of being ready for the day of the Lord's coming. Because only the Father knows. He could come tomorrow. He could come in 2,000 more years. We just don't know. So it is up to us to be ready. We either are going to die here on earth and going to face um, judgment with God um, when we go into heaven. Um, or we're going to see Jesus in his second coming and we're going to face judgment there too. Either way, we're going to face judgment. So we got to be ready. Um, and for the Lord to judge us is actually his duty. Um, it's, we are his creation, right? And so he is the rightful judge for us all, um, because he had a plan for us all along. And if we don't go along with that plan, things do happen. Like look at Sodom and Gomorrah, for instance. Um, they were in just wretched sin and like Abraham, on account of Lot, his nephew, uh, pleads to the Lord, like, Lord, if I find if I find even 10, if you, even if I find 20, 30, 50, whatever, I think it starts at 50 and goes down to 10 or whatever, but, like, if I find this many righteous people, will you spare the city? And yet, God did not find that many righteous people. And so he did not spare the city. The Lord's wrath is very real, and so is his judgment. And those two kind of go hand in hand. But the thing that is important to remember here is, so does God's grace. If we come to the Father and repent of our sins and believe in Him, we will have His grace in us. Um, I was recently at a conference where the speaker gave a whole sermon on 2 Timothy 2.1, which says, Timothy, my dear son, this is Paul, writing this to Timothy, right? Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. And I had never before thought about the concept of being strong in God's grace. Now we, I have certainly thought thousands of times before about being strong in God's own strength, but being strong in his grace, his grace is what gives us strength to go on. And I love the sermon that I heard there. Um, I very much needed it. Um, and so I think that y'all might, would at least like to hear it too. But to get back to the main point of this devotional here, like, the Lord's coming any day. Also, he could take us from this earth any day. He could take our life any day. He could allow for us to die any day. Um, any moment. Um, you don't know if you even have the next hour. So it's important for us to ready our hearts, our minds, our body, our strength. Because um, Jesus told us to love the Lord your God with all your heart, body, mind, and soul. Um, 
So we need to be ready for that. So some more biblical themes that came up here. Um, one is when we misunderstand other people. Um, and I think that we could learn a lesson in this from Bill Foster. Um, he might have misunderstood Hank, but he definitely understood Ava when many other people just could not um, she was acting out of her pain and she was miserable and so she was acting very poorly to others and so that caused like Hank and Hope and them or Scott too to might have just hated her or just got annoyed by her and didn't really care much for her but then when they learned of her situation through um the hostage scene I guess they kind of came to a further understanding of where she came from and also Ava doesn't really understand that um, Hope, Hank, and Scott really need the lab in that very moment that she's trying to sabotage it yet again and she doesn't realize their urgency and like they have an understanding for her urgency but they realize that their own urgency is um, more urgent than hers. Um, I'm going to use urgency a lot here for a second. Um, and, but all Ava can think about is her own pain. And so, um, if you really just take time to understand people and maybe if they're lashing out on you, maybe they're having a bad day. Maybe, um, they're having a bad year, bad week, something tragic happened to them recently, or um, a memory of a tragic event has come back up. Um, perhaps it's uh, anniversary of such a time, or um, it's just they've been reminded of it, and it's just getting into their brain. Um, and we should pray for such people. Uh, and that is the importance of why God tells us, or Jesus tells us to love our enemies, and pray for those who persecute us because we don't know why they might be persecuting us or why they might be ridiculing us or hurting us. Um, perhaps it's because, like, psychologically, something could have happened to them and you or something around you, surrounding you, might have caused them to remember that and that, that just psychologically makes them associate you with that or something like that. Or... It might, you might have done something against them that you have no idea exists. Um, and so it's very important to seek understanding with these people. I kind of think of the story of Joseph and his brothers in the Old Testament, Genesis. And like you have all these, I think he has like 10 older brothers, right? And um, they're all their, they all come from uh, different mothers, but they all have the same father, Jacob. Um, who is renamed Israel uh, sometime after all their births and all that. But, um, and he's, and Jacob's getting pretty old at this point, right? And so the brothers just kind of do their own thing, take care of their father's livestock and whatever. But um, they kind of team up against Joseph because he is um, their father's um, only son by his favorite wife, Rachel. And so um, they just kind of act out on that pain and they throw him in a pit 
And um, that sin leads to another where they sell him to Egypt as a slave. Um, and then I love the character of Joseph throughout the story, but that's not the point here. I want to focus here on Joseph's brothers here because um, they're acting out on their pain. And if we didn't know what the story was and we were an onlooker onto them and their actions, we would have thought that they were just plain mean and that they were just trying to pull a prank or something or just being straight up annoying to Joseph or just straight up mean, really, just being jerks and doing it for no apparent reason. But like when we know the story now, like they're just acting on their jealousy um, and which could point to the fact that Jacob wasn't necessarily being a good father to all of them. Um, and uh, his sins kind of found him out in that way. Um, he, um, Jacob's sins, um, he grew up being quite a deceiver to his own father and his father-in-law. Um, and his father-in-law was a deceiver to himself or a deceiver to him too. Um, and so um, just understanding where other people are coming from and possibly helping them within that situation and certainly praying for them um, can really help make this world a better place. And it, it makes us grow humbly. Um, and uh, I think that's part of the reason why Joseph himself was so humble in this journey in Egypt that he had. Um, from the time he was a servant in Potiphar's house to second in command of all Egypt under Pharaoh. And so just come to understand where people are coming from. The second point I want to talk about here, um, which we'll get into in more depth in the Eternals episode, because there's certainly some commentary to be had there, um, is intelligent design. And this comes from the scene uh, where Scott's doing his usual routine in his house during his house arrest. And he's watching this movie, and I think... Tom Selleck is in it, um, and he's talking about um, a single atom in my finger could be its own universe, and I like that thought um, because um, it kind of tells us how intricately and how beautifully and how intelligently God created even minute details of matter. Um, I like to think, um, that we as humans are kind of like the average size object throughout the universe, right? You got like atoms and molecules and like, if it's true that there could be like little universes within each atom, like that's a really tiny thing. And then you got a little bigger than that. You got like microscopic organisms and, and then a little bigger than that, you got bugs and grass and all that. Um, and then you got us, which is the size that we are. But then you have like planets and universes, solar systems, galaxies, um, and then systems of galaxies. Like they're vast. They make us look like sands or little grains of sand on a seashore, right? And so I like to think that we as humans are the average size piece of matter there is, right? Um, and so, um, which is kind of cool to think about when you think about the quantum realm here too, because then you shrink down into a little, little universe and the quantum realm can be so vast and huge in its own right. Um, 
and then the universe that we live in man that's fast and huge in its own right too and so i love the way that god created the universe um I encourage you to read um, Genesis chapter 1 where it goes through the six days of creation where God created the heavens and the earth and the spirit hovered over the waters and um, he decided to divide the waters and such. Um, it's a very beautiful story of the way God created this universe um, in the world. Now for this next thing I want to talk about, let's kind of go back to Ava and um, how she's misunderstood. And I said that she's acting out on her pain. Um, and it's very human for her to act out on her pain like she does. She just wants it to stop. So she does everything in her power to make it stop. And so nothing's going to get in her way. And so therefore, she's thinking only of herself. And this is a very dangerous thing. Um... We get that pain can, oh man, pain is hurtful, duh. Um, that's the nature of pain, right? But um, we can't let our own pain get in the way of treating others right. Um, it's easy to lash out um, on the world, on others, when those things aren't the ones that brought us the pain. Um, it's easy to just blurt it out. It's easy to lash out on people um sometimes you just want to punch something you know um but um we've got to be careful what we say and do in those moments um, and so if you're going through that i pray that you have a time of peace and that you can get some therapy because yes therapy is a very christian concept it helps us to renew our mind it helps us to uh, have a healthy mind um, it helps us to see how well or how not so well we are loving others and how to improve upon that. Um, as Jesus said, we should love our love the Lord our God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Um, and so part of loving God with our mind uh, means to intellectually know what we are doing to others um, and how we treat others because Jesus also said... That how you treat the least of these is how you treat me as well. Um, and so, uh, yeah, let's just be mindful of how we act out on our pain. Because um, we can harm others that we don't mean to. And then when we do act out on our pain and somewhere along the line, we um, come to a point of further healing through that pain. Maybe not complete healing. Um, but then we can look back on those moments where we acted out on that pain and we realize the pain we have caused others. And by you acting out on your pain towards them, that gives them the right to act out on their pain to someone else. And you don't want that. You don't want that cycle to continue. It's just a never-ending cycle. Um, and this is also the importance of forgiveness, right? Um, I've said before that forgiveness is not necessarily for the one who was wronged. Um, no, it's not necessarily for the one who did the wrong. It's not for their sake necessarily. Um, yes, they should know that you forgive them, but it's for the person that was wronged. It, it, it relieves pain. It relieves tension. It um, soothes the heart. Um, and I think this is the importance of why Jesus on the cross 
said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. Um, that was a very humi- humbling statement. Sorry, That was a very humbling statement for Jesus. He was forgiving those who did him wrong in some of his last words on the cross. Um, so, yeah, keep that in mind. Um, let's not act out on our pain. Oh, yeah, Jesus could have definitely acted out on his pain on the cross. Um, but he knew what he was doing there. He knew that the salvation of mankind depended upon him going through the pain, him going through death, but then again, him rising from the grave three days later. And I love that. Uh, the Lord is so gracious. And we should learn from his graciousness there on the cross too. Um, the next thing I want to talk about is resilience. Um, despite the obstacles that Sonny Birch and Ava and Bill create for them, Hank, Hope, and Scott um, bear through, um, and even the FBI create for them, um, but Hank, Hope, and Scott bear through, and like they do everything in their power um, to get the job done. Um, I wonder how many of us would have given up um, when Go showed up, or when Sonny Birch was being uncooperative, um, or how about when uh, they were being arrested? Like they have this option about themselves, and yes, it is the the life of Janet Van Dyne on the line here, and I, I think that kind of helps feed their persistence in getting the job done there, um, but. What if we were as persistent in praying for those who need prayer, who in helping and clothing and feeding and visiting those who need all that? Um, I think this world would be a better place. We, instead of doing the things that we want to do, we we can persist through the hard stuff, through the uncomfortable, um, to help those who need it. Um, to bring Jesus to those who need it. And I, I think there's a lesson to be learned through Hank, Hope, and Scott's resilience in trying to bring Janet back from the quantum realm here. The last thing I want to talk about here, biblical theme-wise, is um, demon possession. Um, it kind of comes from the part where um, Janet kind of takes over Scott's mind um, with the antenna scene and how he acts so weird, but very much like Janet, in uh, that scene where they're trying to narrow in on where she is in the quantum realm. Um, and so uh, it, it kind of reminds me of demon possession, right? Um, I think specifically of the story where this man is possessed by a group of demons called Legion, and that means 1,000. So it's like a 1,000 demons, right? And this passage is found in Matthew 8, 28 through 9, 1, Mark 5, 1 through 21, and Luke 8, 26 through 40. Now, I'm going to read what it says in the Luke passage, but before I do so, I want to point out a difference here between the situation in the film and here in the gospel of, well, according to Luke here. Um, now, demons are much different than humans embodying another um first of all humans cannot really embody another um 
But I'm just saying this reminds me of demon possession, and therefore it's a great time to bring up this topic, because I don't think I've talked about this before. I may have, um, but I certainly have not read this passage to y'all before, um, and there will be a couple things I want to point out about this passage here. And it's rather long, so stick with me here for a bit. Um, it starts in Luke 8, 26, um, and it says, So they, being Jesus and his disciples, arrived in the region of the Gerasenes, across the lake from Galilee. As Jesus was climbing out of the boat, a man who was possessed by demons came out to meet him. For a long time he had been homeless and naked, living in the tombs outside the town. As soon as he saw Jesus, he shrieked and fell down in front of him. Then he screamed, Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the Most High God? Please, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already commanded the evil spirit to come out of him. This spirit had often taken control of the man. Even when he was placed under guard and put in chains and shackles, he simply broke them and rushed out into the wilderness completely under the demon's power. Jesus demanded, What is your name? Legion, he replied, for he was filled with many demons. The demons kept begging Jesus not to send them into the bottomless pit. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby, and the demons begged him to let them enter into the pigs. So Jesus gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the entire herd plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned. When the herdsmen saw it, they fled to the nearby town and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been freed from the demons. He was sitting at Jesus' feet, fully clothed and perfectly sane, and they were all afraid. Then those who had seen what had happened told the others how the demon-possessed man had been healed. And all the people in the region of the Gerasenes begged Jesus to go away and leave them alone for a great wave of fear swept over them. So Jesus returned to the boat and left, crossing back to the other side of the lake. The man who had been freed from the demons begged to go with him, but Jesus sent him home, saying, No, go back to your family and tell them everything God has done for you. So he went all through the town, proclaiming the great things Jesus had done for him. One thing that stands out to me about this passage within the realm of demon possession here, it says in verse 31, the demons kept begging Jesus not to send them into the bottomless pit. They were fearful of this bottomless pit. And what is this bottomless pit? Well, if you read the book of Revelation, he talks about this very pit. Um, well, John does in, in the revelation that God gives him. And so, well, Jesus gives him actually. Um, and so just read about that in Revelation. They're fearful of going into a pit. Um, and how often are people today, like, they don't even believe in hell. Um, and even Jesus said that even the demons believe and tremble. And this is what they are doing right here, right now. They are believing in this pit and they tremble because they are in the fear. They are in the presence of the Lord Almighty. And like, they'd rather go into a herd of swine than go into this pit that God has prepared for them in their demise. Another thing, as soon as the man approaches Jesus, Legion, the demons, recognize Jesus as the Lord. It says here in verse 28, 
why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Please, I beg you, don't torture me. Um, and I love that, well, I don't love that, but like, the point here is that the demons recognize God as soon as they're in his presence. And sometimes, it's so weird, the difference between us as humans and demons. Like, sometimes we don't even recognize the presence of the Lord when it's right in front of us, um, getting ready to slap us in the face. Um, but the demons recognize immediately when they're in the presence of the Lord. And they shriek and tremble. Um, and I think that's partially why they do, because the things that we fear the most is what we anticipate and look out for. And then once we see that, we immediately recognize it. Um, and so there's a good indicator of things that we fear. Do you immediately recognize it and tremble? Uh, or, um, like, how do you erect these certain things, right? And so, um, I love how Jesus immediately asked the demon. He's like, what's your name? Because he knows the name of these demons. Again, they were fallen angels. Like, one-third of all of heaven fell um, following Lucifer. And so, um, Jesus asked the angel, the, the demon's name. And um, I think it's significant here because throughout the Old Testament, you have God um, renaming these Old Testament characters. He renames Abraham, or Abram to Abraham, Sarai to Sarah. He renames Jacob to Israel, um, Gideon to Mighty Warrior, stuff like this um, all the time. Even in this, well, I will say in the New Testament, but... It actually doesn't occur in the New Testament. We think that God changes Saul's name to Paul, but that's not the case. It's just a difference between the Aramaic and the Greek um, in pronouncing the name and spelling of the name. So that's not a real case of name change there. The last thing I want to talk about from this passage is that they also, the demons, recognize Jesus' authority over them. It says that they beg him not to send them into the bottomless pit. And then they also beg him, let's go into, uh, let us go into a herd of pigs. Like they need Jesus' permission to do that before they actually get to go and do it. And so Jesus gives them that permission. And so they recognize Jesus' authority. And how often do we not in our own lives? How often do we want our desires over God's desires and plans for our life? And so, um, I think <laughs> as evil as demons may be, um, there's a lot to learn from them in such a way as to how they relate to Jesus. Um, they immediately recognize him in his presence. They immediately acknowledge his authority, um, and they fear and, fear and tremble in his presence. Now, this isn't necessarily the, in the same sense as in Psalms and Proverbs when it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. Um, in, in that sense, it's talking about um, not necessarily having the emotion of fear for the Lord, but rather a reverence for the Lord, to hold him in high regard. And that's what the fear of the Lord means here in proverbs 9 10 where it says the fear of the lord is the beginning of wisdom and it says this all throughout the wisdom literature in the old testament 
Um, I'm sure it's referenced throughout the New Testament too. Um, but yeah, it's just a reverence for the Lord. And so, again, as I was saying, there, there's some, in light of how they relate to, of how demons relate to Jesus and the, the Trinity in itself, is they, they immediately recognize him in his presence. And then they immediately recognize his authority over them. Um, and so, let's strive to do the same. Um, let's not act like the demons do, but, um, and rebel against him constantly and constantly, but let's have the fear of the Lord within us. So I think that covers all that I want to talk about for Ant-Man and the Wasp. Um, but let me remind you that we also have a discord, um, and you can join, um, send me a message, um, through one of the following social medias or, an email at mcudevos at gmail.com and I would love to get you hooked up with the Discord there. Um, we also have a TikTok. It is at Oh How Marvelous Podcast. We also have YouTube. Just search um, either MCU Devos or Oh How Marvelous. You can just look for the logo that you see on your podcast platform of choice there. We are also on Facebook as MCU Devos. Again, look for the same logo. Uh, same thing with Instagram, but just the handle is at MCU Devos. And then Twitter, at MCU Devos Podcast. Um, and again, they all have the the podcast logo as the profile picture. You can't miss it. Um, so we'd love for you to uh, join us on all those. And um, you could also message me through those platforms there to get um, hooked up with the Discord. And so... Um, yeah. Also, with the um, drawing with the Avengers um, theme playing cards, um, I've decided uh, today that I, th I don't think the end game episode would be the best time to do the drawing there. I think what I'm going to do is after the Far From Home episode, I'm going to have um, the um, Infinity War saga, or not Infinity War saga, the infinity saga um ratings and rankings there along with the stanley cameos and i'm going to talk about that in, a, in their own episode and so um i'll do the drawing within that one and so that will come out actually i want to say i want to do it on january 30th which will be the one year anniversary of this podcast coming out i can't believe it this podcast has been a thing for just about a year. Um, it's been quite a journey. We've had um, times where we've just been rolling out some episodes. Sometimes we're like three months without one. Um, again, I apologize for those. They're, life gets busy, man. But yeah, you can send in your entry there. Um, just um, send in either a video or a written message um, to... Um, either the email that I just provided for you or either of those podcast um, social media pages there um, yeah, giving um, describing your favorite moment from the MCU, from the Bible, or from this podcast itself, or any combination of those. Um, and then I will enter your name on the list. And um, depending on how many we have on the list, I will... Um, well, that will determine the method of which I draw the name to 
see who wins the cards. And so you have until basically January 30th to enter. I will try to check um, those um, things um, to see if I have any new entries while I've been recording the Infinity Saga and Stanley Cameo um, ranking and rating episode in the middle of that. So I'll be sure to get you there. But um, you can't. You don't have a chance to win unless you do that. And I've only only had one entry so far. Thank you again, Tice. Um, great to hear from you, man. Um, but uh, at least someone's going to win the thing, and I'm not going to have to keep it. Um, and so, Tice, you might just end up getting it by yourself. Um, but please, make it interesting for me. Please send in your entry into the thing. I would love to um, hear your... Uh, thoughts on that anyway um and i will give you a video on the tiktok just to let you know of the plan change there as to it's not going to be in the end game episode anymore the drawing it will in fact be during um the infinity saga and stanley cameo ranking and rating episode after far from home so i think that will do it for ant-man and the wasp again can't wait for quantumania That'll be awesome. That does it for Ant-Man and the Wasp. We'll see you next time when we cover Avengers Infinity War on Oh How Marvelous.